You are listening to the Hope Fellowship Church Podcast. To find more information about our church and ministries, check out our website at hopeandanderson.com. Now, this week's teaching. Good morning. Merry Christmas, everyone. It's hard to see everyone with the lights. (laughs) It's probably a good thing. (laughs) My name is Danielle, and I've uh, been attending Hope for five and a half years now. I'm one of the co-leaders of the women's Bible study here, and... um, If you're not in the women's group, I want to put a plug in. Come on out Tuesday mornings, 9 to 11. If you could all please stand for today's reading. The passage today is Micah 5, 1 through 6. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrath, you are too little to be among the clans of Judah. For you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruled, to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she is in labor, when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. When the Assyrian comes into our land and treads in our palaces, then we will raise against him seven shepherds and eight princes of men. They shall shepherd the land of Assyria with the sword, and the land of Nimrod at its entrances. And he shall deliver us from the Assyrian when he comes into our land and treads within our border. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Good morning. Merry Christmas to you. It's good to see you this morning on this beautiful Christmas Eve morning. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, Just to let you know, if you're wondering, no, the kids are still coming out, okay? But you have to endure with me for a few moments uh, this morning. I know that's what you're excited about as well. And I understand because... I have a, a, a granddaughter in there as well today. So they're coming out. We haven't forgotten. So just kind of settle down, okay? <sighs> Breathe and exhale. So that's going to happen in a few moments, which is really going to be a really powerful, I think, continuation of what we're going to talk about today from Scripture as they tell you the Advent story um, and uh, just, just a, the perfect way that children can do that as well. So I want to talk to you about peace this morning for a moment. We have been in this series called O Holy Night, where we have been using the Christmas anthem, O Holy Night, as a framework for our study together. And so today we want to take the last verse of that, and I want to call this just part of that last verse, and that is, His law is love and His gospel is peace. Now, I want to say to you, you know, there's nothing like good news. And in a world that's filled seemingly with bad news today that we live in, then we need some good news, right? We, we really do. I, I go back to the words of previous verses of this song, O Holy Night, where it says, Long lay the world in sin and error pining. And I think regardless of where we are in our spiritual journey today, that we can all agree that there's something is broken in the world that we live in. There's a lot of pain and a lot of heartache and a lot of war. So there's something that is broken. So there is this great need, as the song, O Holy Night, says, that weary worlds to rejoice for chains to be broken. So let me read the third verse 
for you as we begin this morning. It says, truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break for the slave is our brother. And in his name all oppression shall cease. He says, uh, in, in grateful choice. Sweet hymns of joy, in grateful course rise we, let all within us praise his holy name. So in our world of oppression, what we celebrate during Advent time and Advent moments is that the Father, through the gift of his son Jesus, invades our brokenness with the gospel, the law of love and peace. You say, Mark, that's all well and good. But what I need during this year in my life, during Advent, I need something very tangible, something I can hold on to, even something more than just a story. Just a story? It's a lot more than that, isn't it? Absolutely. Because if you look at the history of the Advent story, what you find is you find Jesus who is born into oppression. He is. He is born into a a society and a culture, Jewish people who are enslaved by the Roman Empire. They're heavily taxed. They have no political voice in the government. There is a sense of hopelessness. And Jesus, who is the incarnate Christ, God wrapped in flesh, was born in a world of war and poverty and pain and struggle and conflict and violence and political unrest and economic uncertainty, a world in desperate need of the law of love and peace. I want you to see this morning in our teaching for a few minutes together the similarity between that of the time in which Jesus was born and the time in which you and I live today. You say, Mark, this is not very much of an uplifting Christmas Eve sermon. Well, hang on. I'm trying to set the stage for a few moments. We'll get there in a few minutes. But you have to see the basis of what we're going to talk about. And I think what Christ wants us to hear this morning, that there is an amazing similarity between the moments in which Christ came into this world and the world in which we live. Look what's happening in the world around us. So I, I chose a few photos. We have war in Israel Today, we have a a war in Ukraine as well. We have protests on our own streets in our own nation uh, all, all around us. We do. We have poverty. There's poverty that surrounds us in our country and in third world countries all around the globe today. We, I read a statistic recently that says as of today, this morning, on this Christmas Eve morning, that there are 110 or more armed conflicts, wars that are going on in the world around us. More than 110 being monitored by that of certain groups in, in the world today. And so I thought this is very much like the world in which Jesus was born. You said, but Mark, I don't want to watch the news, you know. I don't need any more bad news in my life, right? So I'm going to stay with There's enough bad news in my own personal life because some of you, Yeah, you're married, you're living together with a spouse, but this morning you came, you're emotionally separated from one another. For some of you, your children are not speaking to you for one reason or another. There are all kinds of struggles within your job today. So maybe you thought, well, you know, this law of love and peace, it it would make like a great Christmas lyric for a song, which is what it actually is, right? Or maybe a song like what John Lennon wrote, that there's no more war. And it kind of gives you these fuzzy feelings in those moments of your life 
then all of a sudden there's those interruptions in the moments of our life when, when you know, your child cries in the middle of the night and you go into their bedroom and they're burning up with a high fever and you're reminded that the world is broken that we live in. There are those things that bring us back to the reality of where we live. You get a disturbing phone call or there's some words you have with someone that's close to you or you've experienced a tragedy this year and it jolts you back into those moments of reality. Here's the point this morning. That this peace, this peace that the Father sends into this world is not a weak peace. Understand that. And it's not a passive peace at all that is subject to the circumstances around us. There's nothing passive about this gospel, this law of love and peace for you and I. Jesus was born into a world much like ours. He did not wait until the world was devoid of conflict. That's not it at all. He invaded a world in the grips of pain and war and conflict and unrest. We can't come in this place and adequately deal with Advent if we're going to sanitize it. Scrub it up really good. Put a nice blue-hued light on it and make it feel all soft and fuzzy today. We can't do that. I couldn't do that with you and speak the truth this morning. You need to understand the world in which Christ came into. The book of Luke chapter 2, verse 11. For unto you is born this day. This day. I love that text because it doesn't say any day or, 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 or just a random day. But the text says for this day, Christ came into a broken world. He didn't wait until everything was wonderful in order for him to show up. He chose to come into the brokenness of my world and your world. And it goes on to say, in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger, Luke says. And suddenly there was with him this angel, uh, the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, he says all of this. To a people that are living under the heavy hand of Roman occupation. And he says glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace. He says that to a people that are living under the rule of an occupying army. That word peace is powerful. Because it's not a peace That will slip away from you in your life when you depart the parking lot today. It's not that. It's not a piece that goes away with all your Christmas decorations. When you put them in storage or in your attic or wherever you put them when this season is over. It's not that. In fact, the word that's used there for peace is the word shalom. It's a powerful word. Shalom. It means peace be with you or peace be unto you. Shalom. So could you turn to your neighbor this morning as you've wished Merry Christmas already and say to them, Shalom. Could you say that to them? That's powerful. Now turn to the person behind you and say that to them. Right? Now, now, now find someone that you're in conflict with, right? No, no, stay where you are. Stay where you are. I didn't think that through. Somebody gets up and runs across the church, you know, Shalom and runs back. Like, wow, I didn't know I did anything to him, right? Yes. It is a powerful word. Because what it means is peace be with you. 
And I go back to this text in the book of Luke, and it says, for unto you is born this day. Unto you, to you and I, he brings peace within our lives. So two points this morning, just two thoughts. The first is this, that peace is not the absence of conflict. Understand that, but is realized in the presence of God. Peace is not the absence of conflict, but is realized in the presence of God. Let me take you to the Gospels for a moment again, or or to the writings of Paul. And that is the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14. Here's what it says to you and I, and it's really good. It says, for he himself is our peace. He is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing walls of hostility. He came to make peace. Yes, absolutely. He came to preach peace. Absolutely, that's what Jesus did. But there's more to him than that. He himself is our peace. It's, it's more, I think, of who he is than what he does. And that's what you have to wrap your mind. So Paul gives us the what, but then he gives us the why and how of all of this. Because he says that we've been made one. Let me give you a quick context, but not to then preach a sermon from the book of Exodus to you necessarily this morning. But he's speaking to Jews and Gentiles in the church at Ephesus who they are hostile at one another for a certain reason. And that is that the Jews are preaching to the Gentiles that they must become like them in order to be a Christian. And so there's this hostility. But then all of a sudden Paul says, but this is through Christ. This is not through you or what you're doing, but this is through Christ. But there's even a greater truth for you and I on this Christmas Eve morning. And that is that Jesus also has broken down the wall of hostility and sin between you and the Father. That's a greater truth right there. In fact, the reason that those Jews and Gentiles can become one is because of that of Jesus breaking down this wall of hostility between us and the Father because of sin in our life. And so Jesus prays this amazing prayer in the book of John, chapter 17. And he says this to the father in his prayer, that I have manifested your name. He prays that to his father, to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. That is the one, perhaps one of the most powerful Advent scriptures that you could ever read in scripture. And they have kept your word. Then you go down to verse 10, and he says, all mine are yours, and yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. So what I realize is this. That in the middle of the brokenness of our world. And our world will remain broken until Christ returns. And if you're wondering about this subject of the return of Christ. And what we call theologically the second advent. Then I invite you to go online next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Because we will not be here on campus. But we'll be here. We'll be online with you. To all of our, in all of our online platforms, and for you to sit down with us, with myself and Pastor Matthew and Pastor Nathan, as we have a roundtable discussion about that of the second coming of Christ. It's going to be great, and we need you to tune in. Now, that was a commercial. Wasn't that great how I slid that right in there? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Any of you own a business, you need to see me. We might slip something in for you. No, just kidding. That will not happen, right? Yes, 10 a.m. Don't forget next Sunday morning. 
But the world will remain broken until Christ returns. But in the middle of living in our heightened level of unsettledness in this world, because we can't fix others, and we can't fix ourselves, and we can't fix the world around us, we have peace. Why? Because of what Paul says to us, what Jesus' prayer means to you and I, that we belong to him. Yes, that we belong to him. Let me read more from Ephesians for a moment. It says, verse 15, by abolishing the law of commands expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God. That's what Advent is about, that the Father sends the Son to reconcile us back to the Father Keep on reading, in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. He came and preached peace to you. And I thought about this, that peace is experienced in my life, not when just conflict is absent. That's not it at all. But peace is experienced in my life, in your life, when I realize that I belong to God. I am his. So when things are upside down in my life, when things are not going exactly as I would have them to go, I still have peace because of this promise that I belong to him. I guess powerful. That's the gospel. In the middle of the conflict of our life, that he is present in our life. So I thought about this idea of Jesus' prayer. And I thought about that Jesus takes us, or the Father takes us, and he gifts us to his Son, is what the prayer is. It's really the story of Jesus coming into the world. And so I thought, well, how best to kind of, you know, illustrate that to you this morning than to uh, simply take a gift, right? And so if I were the Father, now I'm not pretending that I'm God, okay? Nowhere near, so don't go wild on me. But if I were to take the Father, if I were the Father, and I would take you as a gift, and I would present you to the Son. But you say, but Mark, that box looks very nice, and that's not really the way we are in life, is it? So I think that this probably represents us a little better, doesn't it? <laughs> Anybody in the room ever felt like that? Can I get an amen? Yeah, okay. Good, yeah. How many of you received a package from UPS this year like this, right? <laughs> if you work for UPS, I love you. Just a little joke, okay? Little joke. Just a little joke, right? And so the father takes us and he presents us to the son in the brokenness of our lives. So what does Jesus do? Well, Jesus comes into the world. He comes as a babe as a manger. Unto us is born, right? He comes as a babe in a manger. He grows and he lives this life like you and I live and he understands our brokenness. He feels these things. He knows these things in his life. And so he, he comes and then he lives and he dies. He's buried and he rose again. He ascends to the Father. So what, where does that leave us? We've been given to Jesus. So where does that leave us? Here's the beautiful thing about what Jesus prays. Is that what Jesus does. Is that he covers us in his righteousness. Now, let me tell you something. Under this box, oh, oh, you still broken. Okay, understand that, right? Now, let's don't get any ideas that you're perfect, okay? But the beauty of all of this is that what Jesus does in our lives is he covers us, but he doesn't stop there. If you look at the prayer of Jesus, what he does 
is he presents you and I back to the Father. And when the Father now looks upon us, he doesn't see the brokenness, the sin of our lives. What does he see? He sees the beauty and the perfection of the Son because we have been clothed in the righteousness of God. And that is what brings me peace in my life, even when my world is upside down. I have to sit in that for a moment. I think during this season that if I miss that, then I've missed everything. Because like I said before, that is not a piece that leaves you when you start your car and leave this parking lot today. And it's not a piece that goes away with your decorations. Understand that Advent is much more than that, that you have been gifted by Jesus back to the Father, wrapped in wrapped in his righteousness today so that the father looks upon you and that brings you peace even when the world is locked in chaos so peace is not the absence of conflict it's the presence of the father in my life the song of holy night is a powerful song we've talked about it now for a number of weeks together it is said historically that it is the song that in 1847, I believe is 1871, during the French-Persian War, that the armies of Germany and that of France are entrenched against each other. And on that Christmas day of that year, the French begin to sing a song, Cantique de Noël, from their trenches. It is what you and I know to be the song of Holy Night. And as they begin to sing that song, the Germans, oppositely entrenched against them, began to sing Martin Luther's song, which they're good Germans. They should sing Martin Luther's songs, right? And so they sang Martin Luther's From Heaven Above to Earth I Came. And it's said historically that during that moment, they left their battle stations and they met in the middle of that battlefield and is what is known now as the great Christmas truce. And they shared Christmas Day together and they went back to the conflict after all that was over. Because it's not the absence of conflict, but the peace that you find in the middle of this conflict is the presence of God in your life. Micah chapter 5 verse 1 says, and we read it earlier, Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops, and siege is laid against you. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrata, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. Whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. And then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. And in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great in the ends of the earth. And he shall be their peace. When the Assyrian comes into our land and treads in our palaces. And I thought about this. When the Assyrian comes into our land. 
When the enemy comes in the middle of conflict, the Bible does not in any way sanitize that of the arrival of Christ. He didn't come into a time of peace, but he came in a time very much like what we live in. It was never intended to be a hallmark moment. Never. But a moment of chaos in the world he steps in the middle of. But it's just not war that God steps into the middle of in our lives. But it's very personal places. It is. Not just war that he has entered into, but even family struggles as well. And I think that's something that we have to navigate this time of year as well is family struggles. And he steps into the middle of it. Look at the narrative. Joseph and Mary are engaged. Mary becomes pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph is visited by an angel in a dream. He makes a decision not to divorce her. Imagine explaining the immaculate conception at the family reunion. Can you imagine? Right? It makes for great conversation. It does. Then a census is required. So Joseph packs up Mary, who is nine months pregnant, and they get on a donkey, which is the ancient version of a minivan, is what it is for your kids, right? And and so she's nine months pregnant, and they travel from Nazareth to that of Bethlehem. It's 90 miles. In fact, the top speed of a donkey or the the average speed of a donkey is 2.5 miles per hour. So this is 36 hours, four plus days. You say, Mark, you're weird. You know that kind of stuff. I know. I did the math, right? So you have Joseph who is still trying to figure out what's going on. I think you have Mary who is nine months pregnant and they go on a family trip. Trips are bad enough, right? With family. Yeah, some of you say, Mark, you don't understand. My trips and my family are like hell, right? Yes, bad. It can be really bad. Yes. And then Joseph says to Mary, hey, babe, where do you want to stop for dinner? And then she gives that remark. Oh, it doesn't matter to me. It does matter. (laughs) It does. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. One man in the room understands. Yes. And it can be war at that point, yes. What's your point? That he steps into the mundane, the daily rhythms of our life, and he enters as shalom. Because there's nothing passive about this peace that God speaks and brings into our life, but everything personal about it. After Jesus is born, Herod makes a decree, all male babies are to be killed Joseph and Mary and Jesus pack up and where do they go? They go to Egypt and they become refugees. Jesus knows what it's like to be displaced in a world that he created. He became a refugee, refugee to make a home within you. And through all of this, he's peace. You say, but Mark, if I buy into this today, does that mean that my struggles will end when I leave today? Does that, is that what you're saying to me? I don't know. Maybe. You know, if you go home with a different family, maybe, right? Yes. Or if your family leaves you here, right? Perhaps that's even a better solution to it. Perhaps, right? Yeah. No. This peace, this shalom that we talk about this morning is better than that. You see, it's one thing to have peace when everything is working out. 
but to have an inward peace, a lasting peace when there's still war raging in your life is better. Luke chapter two and verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Spoken to a people that are living under the heavy hand of occupation. Why? Because a peace that is realized only in the absence of struggle is a peace only as deep and superficial as is life itself in this world. Because it would be a peace that would be founded on the goodness of man and not the goodness of God. You see that? This is a peace for my life and your life that's found on the goodness of God. And what God has done for you and I, that he sent his son to take our brokenness and to wrap it in the perfection of his son. So that I can have a peace in this life that transcends the news or current events. Because it's a peace that's based on the goodness of God in our life. Let me share this last verse with you and then we'll pray together. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. You're going to find this to be an, a, a, just an exciting. I think, Christmas passage. Here it is. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. I told you it was exciting. Hang on, okay? It gets better. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephetali. But in the later time, he was made glorious. He has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nations. You have increased its joy. They rejoice because you, as with joy at their harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Merry Christmas, right? Yeah. What a great text for you to read tomorrow morning with the family around the tree. It is a powerful Advent verse. though, Because here's what I want to say to you. Peace is realized in the assurance that we've not been forgotten by God. The song says, change shall he break for the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease sweet hymns of joy. You see, it was the, the American writer and abolitionist John Sullivan Dwight who during the Civil War translates from the French version of A Holy Night, Cantique de Noel, into English for you and I, these powerful words. Because he did this translation, because he wanted to write this in a magazine to bring greater awareness in our country to the sin of slavery. And he was shaken to his very core 
by these words, chains shall he break for the slave is our brother. Because who more that would feel forgotten than those that find themselves living in chains and oppressed and not just chains of iron, but I think chains of emotion and spirit as well. So what does this have to do with this verse? Because Isaiah says that he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Because this is where Jesus goes first. He goes to Galilee. Remember the story. If you know anything about Jesus, read the Gospels. He goes to Galilee first. Why? Because in Israel, it was considered the place that was forgotten. Because it was the place where invading armies would simply come through into Israel. Every time they would come and they would burn and they would rape and they would destroy and they would pillage And then when they left Israel with all the spoils of Israel, they would come back through Galilee and they would repeat the terror that they had had done on them coming into the nation again. So it was a place that was desolate and forgotten. It was a place where no one necessarily wanted to go and to live into Galilee. And that is where Jesus goes first because that's what Advent is all about that he steps into the brokenness of our lives. He steps into the life of those of you in this room that feel forgotten. You think that you have somehow faded into obscurity and no one cares about you and no one gives any thoughts about you. You can be in a room full of people and you still feel alone and forgotten. Can I tell you today that you are the ones that Jesus came to first? This was so important about the Advent story and who he is. That thousands of years before his coming, Isaiah prophesied this. That he steps into the forgotten places of my life and yours. Into the brokenness and the sinfulness. Into the pain and the lies and the unfaithfulness and the inconsistency and the confusion to the scars of the hurts of our lives. And he says to you, you're not forgotten. Regardless of what you've done, regardless who in this life will tell you they have forgotten you or treat you that way, you are not forgotten. Because God has promised that he will never forget us. And in that I find great peace. So what do you do with a God like that? Unto us a child is born. You see, you have to do something with him today. You can't just walk out this building without making some kind of decision. What did they do with him when he came as a babe in a manger? Eventually they crucified him. Every one of us must deal with the Savior. So what will you do with him today? 
well, Mark, I'm desiring some peace in my life this morning. And, and, and I, I just, I don't know about this Jesus thing and all of this, but I just, I just kind of want some peace. Listen. Advent is about that. But that peace is not found in just a service. That peace is not found in just some great music. But that peace is found in you coming to an understanding that the Father gifted you to the Son because of your brokenness and the Son wraps you in His righteousness and presents you back to the Father clothed in His perfection. And you say, God, I, I didn't know that before, but I accept that, God. I accept that. For some of you, your life is just a mess. You believe in Jesus, you call yourself a Christian, and I'm not here to in any way debate that with you. But your life is a mess today and you need some peace. Maybe this is a season for you to come back and remember, to remind yourself of what truly brings peace in your life. That you were a gift from the Father to the Son. The Son gifted you back to the Father. It's a peace that is not determined by the circumstances of this world. So trust in me. So can I pray with you for a moment, please? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? So Father, we trust you today. We lean into you with everything that is within us. God, we believe that you're speaking to us by your word and your power. Uh, and the Holy Spirit is bringing these things that we've talked about from your scriptures, God, today to our own hearts and our own minds to change us. So, Lord, we take a moment before we move on in this service to deal with you, Jesus. To accept your peace in our life. To lean into you. To know that Peace is not the absence of conflict within us, but it's your presence. And to know that we're not forgotten. Also, God, we believe that you're speaking to those in the room that have not made a decision for you this morning. And they hear this and they desire some peace and some rest and subtleness but nothing in life has brought that to them. God, may they come to the realization that it is you. And take a moment, Father, to confess their need of you in their life and their brokenness to you as well. And accept your forgiveness. Father, I accept your forgiveness in my life today. And I surrender to you. So I thank you for that, Father. Thank you for joining us for this week's teaching. We hope you have a great week.